Welcome to the Ignite Dones podcast, episode 12. I'm with Casey today, and we're going to talk about the restaurant industry and coronavirus. So this is kind of a topic that I think is pretty uh, pertinent and time-sensitive right now because restaurants are starting to open up, but some aren't opening up, and uh, some are opening up, but they have like weird different restrictions. And I thought it would be a good time that we could kind of talk about that, kind of the impacts of all this on the restaurant industry in particular. So Casey, have you gone to a restaurant recently um, post opening? So I guess in context of Michigan, all restaurants were pretty much closed in Michigan for a long time, but now they've just started to open up. So have you been to any recently? Yeah, I have been to some, but I haven't dined in at, I don't think any of them. However, I, I know that some of them since June 10th, when the new executive order got in place, the June 10th, June 12th time frame, they restaurants started to allow people at reduced occupancy. So some restaurants uh, in different locations, but I believe it's anywhere between 25 to 50% reduced occupancy. Yeah. So I did, I have dined in, I think three times total since. Yeah. Um, and, and it's like mostly the same, but there's like a, a few things that are different. Obviously, first of all, it's reduced occupancy, like you're saying. So um, it's like every other table, but that didn't seem too big of a deal to me. Because honestly, the restaurants I did eat at, they really weren't that busy. I don't know how else to put it. Like people still aren't necessarily going out. And we can talk about that more later. Um, the other thing was the menus. They want you to scan like this QR code. So you have like a digital menu but they still offer the paper menus anyway. <laughs> so I'm like, just give me the paper menu. I don't, I mean, whatever. Um, I'll take the risk on that one because um, the technology stuff usually doesn't work. And then the other weird thing they do is they don't have like ketchup bottles or barbecue sauce bottles. Um, so we went to a barbecue restaurant before we got our food. The guy's like, what kind of barbecue sauce do you want? And we're like, oh, I'll take the mild Cal or Carolina sauce or whatever. And they gave it to us in a little two ounce container, just like our donut kit glaze actually is the same yeah. thing. Um, and then it came out and I got fries. I'm like, oh, there's no ketchup here. So I had to ask for ketchup and they brought me out like four of those little itty bitty packets of ketchup. You know, you get it like fast food. And that's what I had at this restaurant, you know, where I paid $13 for a pulled pork sandwich kind of thing. Yeah. Um, and that's probably like the weirdest thing is like that. Um, the other weird thing is, the interesting thing is, some restaurants have actually turned this into an opportunity. So there's another diner I go to, to Coney Island, and uh, they renovated their restaurant during the shutdown. It's like completely new inside, which I thought was crazy, because yeah. you think they would not do that, because they don't know if they're going to like make money, but they decided to renovate the whole place. So I don't know. That, that, I guess that translates into a good, a good point. Do you think people are still going to go out to eat or do you think something's changing in people's eating habits, dining habits? Yeah, I definitely think that consumers are more cautious now, but I do think people are, are eager to go out because if you think of it, people have been quote unquote cooking or taking, doing takeout or delivery or whatever it is for the past two months. A lot of people are sick of that. A lot of people want convenience and they want a good environment. Sometimes their home is not necessarily the best environment, especially for families. And so not, you know, everyone thinks like that because some families think their home is a nice environment and that's not true for everyone. And so 
on the other side, a lot of friend groups go out to yeah. eat. And I think our generation, our the millennial generation, our generation, and other close co cohorts, I think they will be a little bit more precautious. Some will choose not to, but I think people will still continue to go and dine in. I do think that there's a big reputation on the business perspective. If a business does not take precautions, they're going to lose their their consumers throughout time. And if they do take precautions and they do have quality food and there's exceptional service, it's only going to improve. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I I think I think you definitely are right. People want to go back out. I think we were just having a conversation earlier about how we want to go and go have adventures and go do things. And for some people, normalcy is just eating out, you know. My family does eat out a lot. It's just something we do. Um, just kind of a way we can be together as a family. And so, you know, once things started to open up, we went, you know, and there, there is some anxiety though. Um, Cause you never know what to expect when you walk in and some places are great about the social distancing and the menus and all this other stuff. And some places they just really don't, not, it's not that they don't care, but they don't, you know, they're not taking the same level of precautions. Something that comes to mind is how are like, like there's the club in Mount Pleasant, Wayside Central. Is that place going to open up? Like, is it open? I, I don't, I, believe, I guess I could look that up, but I'm thinking about a restaurant like that. I mean, that's more of a club, but. I believe the bar and restaurant side of it is open. I don't mm -hmm. know if the actual club is. And I, I think as of right now, until the governor of the state of Michigan allows a certain amount of people to mm -hmm. have to gather. I don't think they're open. So I work at Riverwood Resort and our bowling alley is still closed because we're still part of, for whatever reason, we're part of the Grand Rapids zone. And Grand Rapids zone is in a different phase than the Cadillac zone. Mm. But the opposite side, like Saginaw is in a different zone. And we're right next to Saginaw pretty much. We're closer to Saginaw than we are close to yeah, we're, Grand we're, Rapids. <laughs> so it's very interesting, but based on the latest executive order, we still are not able to open up the bowling alley because of the close proximity of people indoors. And I think that also translates well within clubs. Mm -hmm. I do think those bars and restaurants, the late night bars are still opening with the precautions in place, wearing masks to some extent. I believe that most yeah. are doing it. I don't know if everyone- That's another thing. I, look, I, I, I wear a mask a lot and I do what's called ship shopping. So I, I shop for other people's groceries, I deliver it to them. In grocery stores, you have to wear a mask. So I'm okay wearing masks. I wear a mask all the time I'm in the mire, the grocery store. But when you go into a restaurant, they want you to wear it right when you walk in. And then once you sit down, you can take it off. Like, you know what I mean? Like, you can't eat with a mask on. I don't know. Yeah. I, I guess I see the point of trying to prevent the spread of things when you're talking. I, I don't know. You know what I'm saying? It's a little strange. Yeah. The one nice part that some cities are actually doing well, and they implemented it in Mount Pleasant, is they've closed off certain parts of downtown at certain hours of the day to outdoor seating. And what that does is it provides more space for restaurants and places that have food options. So it's nice for like Ponder Coffee because they have a small location mm -hmm. and they can expand it into a bigger spot when there's nice weather. 
So they've actually benefited from that. And so have a lot of other restaurants in downtown Mount Pleasant, which is good because in addition to that, it's gaining popularity for downtown Mount Pleasant, which is something mm. that needs, you know, Mount Pleasant needs. I think they, they needed it before COVID, you know, yeah. so now yeah. it's even better. It's interesting you bring that up. Um, so I work for the public works department at my hometown in Dexter, Michigan, and we actually just are renting barricades and we have parallel parking on our main street right through downtown. There's like one main road and it's parallel parking. They're blocking off parking spaces the whole like they're they're permanently blocked off for the summer for outdoor seating. So they're doing the exact same thing. I, I actually didn't know Mount Pleasant was doing that. That's cool that a lot of home and the town next to me is doing it. So that must be a more common thing. Um yeah. like community planners and city leaders are doing to try to help these small businesses, you know, because the more outdoor seating you have, the more business you can have, you know. Yeah. And I think that's what's nice do. There's a few good, good portions or results because of COVID, especially on the business side. And this is one of them is people are coming together, creating solutions or mitigating or minimizing some of the issues that we have by providing different results and different solutions for business owners, which is allowing business owners to be more creative, to have more freedom and flexibility. Because prior to COVID, there was no push and shove of anything. You, someone asked to get something done for the city, and you had to go through the whole politics and bureaucracy of everything. There's no chance that change was going to happen. But now change is easier. And I think we've seen it on a national level, too. It's like people are willing to seek out for change. And so, regardless of the topic, but um, I think that is also the same principle that we see on the micro analytical side mm. on restaurants. So, yeah. yeah. I, I don't have the article in front of me, but I, I read the headline. I need to read more in depth, but this headline stated that 50% of the restaurants on Yelp may be out of business permanently, yeah. um, which is frightening <laughs> um, and unfortunate. Um, I don't know. I don't, I'm trying to think of any thought. I mean, it just shows how vulnerable restaurants really always are. I mean, COVID yeah. was an extraordinary event. And I, re I was saying this the other day, I hope nothing this exciting ever happens again in my life because <laughs> I think I've had enough excitement when it comes to social, you know, you know, societal upheaval. Um, but yeah, it, it's really unfortunate. I think we forget how, you know, restaurants open operate on such a thin, thin margin between, having enough cash and the debt and all that stuff you know and when something like this comes along they just can't survive it yeah definitely so, yeah it'll be interesting to see how our lifetime unfolds and hopefully we don't have to relive something like this again <laughs> no <laughs> i don't really want to <laughs> i mean yeah i really hope i don't know that's a, that's a whole other topic altogether but i mean i don't people talk about this, this, nothing like this has ever really happened. I mean, it's been a long time since anything like this has completely changed the way people live. Yeah. You know, I mean, yeah. the closest life changing event was the terrorist attacks of nine 11. And even that didn't change people's everyday lives, you know? Yeah. It certainly changed like the travel industry and the airline industry and created TSA. And it was a horrible thing. And it changed a lot of world politics, but like, 
people could still go to their local restaurant and eat. You know what I mean? Like it, yeah. it really didn't even. So th this COVID has affected us in ways that I don't think an event has in a very, very, very long time. I don't know, maybe even World War II, to be quite honest, you know? Mm -hmm. Now, obviously that's before, that's practically before our, our grandparents' time. So, yeah. you know, <laughs> it's pretty extraordinary. Um, I don't know if I'm thankful I'm living through a crazy event. Probably not. <laughs> Likes to not, but so that's interesting. Let's, let's, let's bring it back. This is after all the Ignite Donuts podcast. Let's bring it back to Ignite. So how are we doing? Are we going to open up? Are we doing well? Are we doom and gloom or are we <laughs> business as usual? Yeah, obviously we've had to take a step back, as you know, Chris. I mean, lost our operations on CMU's campus for the time being, but we're excited for CMU to open up, especially they're opening up a couple weeks early, so we'll be able to get our donuts in those locations on campus a couple weeks early. And then for right now, we're only really doing delivery orders, special orders, but we are we are also working on a couple different wholesale accounts that we've been working with some community partners, and we'll see where that goes, but we'll be in, obviously announcing any new leads and mm. any new information of where our donuts may be located in the coming weeks if we find out and get approved for things so um but to the point i mean we we had a huge setback but the nice part is i mentioned to you yesterday we applied for a small business administration grant relief program and or grant and we got approved for some money, which is awesome. So uh, it, it doesn't necessarily take away or, or forgive the impact that it has had on us, but it's something that's helped. And absolutely, uh, it's going to help us forward as we continue to improve this business. So I'm thankful. We're thankful for that. And we're thankful that Small Business Administration and the government had those funds available for businesses like us. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. I mean, I think that that helps a lot. I mean, that, that'll help us and it'll remain to be seen. I mean, I was just thinking about this for us, you know, we'll get the donuts in the door early. Um, the semester is shorter, but maybe people will want to spend their flex dollars faster. I don't know. That will remain to be seen. Yeah. So we'll see. Um, hopefully we like some other businesses can turn a, a setback into an opportunity. And that's, that's what I'm hoping for in the future. And that's what I hope for, other businesses have been impacted, the ones that are still around, I suppose. Um, I, I really hope they can turn this setback into an opportunity and come back swinging. Definitely. So do you have any other thoughts about COVID, the restaurant industry, and the, the future of dining in? I think another topic that restaurants should be focusing on is diversifying their business, their brand. Mm -hmm. So they shouldn't be just having a dine-in option or a takeout option or a drive-through option. Mm -hmm. They should have delivery, they're partnering with third-party apps and- Like Grubhub. Yeah. yeah, Uber Eats, Grubhub, mm -hmm. DoorDash, whatever it is, or they should have their own delivery service. Now on top of that, they got the secret sauce recipes, right? Start selling them as a wholesale. Buy, package those up and start selling them and any, depending on your restaurant, like if you're a baked goods restaurant and you haven't done it already, like holiday season is creeping up on us. Mm -hmm. It would be a perfect idea to get your brand out there. And so by packaging something mm -hmm. that 
is sustainable at the same time, you know, still has that quality for the customer. So I think that really it comes down to diversifying the products. Sooner that people d- diversify, the better it is. I was listening to this podcast and kind of, I'm going to put this on air. Um, so let's listen to the Gary Vanderchuk, Vanderchuk podcast. He's a person that I look up to and uh, I listen to his podcast about business. And someone was on the phone with him talking about their dumpling shop that they own. And they're asking what they should be doing. What's like the most important mm-hmm. thing. And he talked about creating a baking show, which we have. <laughs> and to build the brand because that is building the audience, give away free recipes and just show, show the fun within dumplings. He was saying, and then on top of that, he said, you know what you should do? You should create a DIY do it yourself kit. So you package the product, you give it to sell it, sell it as a kit, sell it to the consumers and customers by building the brand through the baking show. And then creating a delivery distribution like the the kit, it will give them a better brand and a mm-hmm. some revenue. We've already done that. We were two months ahead of that curve. <laughs> I know we've kind of slowed things down on the baking show, but we're still doing the bake uh, the podcast, and mm-hmm. we'll bring up the baking show sometime soon. But right. Um, and we've had the donut kit for over a year now. Yeah, so. there you go. We were, <laughs> maybe we gave him the idea. Right. Yeah. <laughs> so. but that brings up an interesting point. And, and this is, goes out to any entrepreneur who wants to start a restaurant. Restaurants put themselves in big boxes. So if you're a steakhouse, you're just doing a steakhouse. You know, if you want to open a bakery, you're just going to sell donuts, like in a shop, like every other shop. Um, but I feel like that's like, not only is that unnecessary, I feel like that's doing a disservice to your brand. Uh, to the entrepreneurship, the entrepreneurial process in general, you know, you really got to think outside the box and solve some problems. And I feel like in entrepreneurship courses in college, you hear that a lot. Oh, I'm going to open a restaurant. It's like, okay, but what else? You know what I mean? So I think that's a great example of, you know, if you had a baking show, you had a kit, um, and then you have a delivery option, easy access to these donuts that you, uh, or dumplings that you saw online being made, you could buy them. That would be great. Um, and I think that just shows you can diversify your brand. You don't have to just be a dumpling shop and put yourself into a box, you know? Um, and I think the coronavirus is going to force a lot of these shops who survive to go outside the box, you know? Yeah, I agree. And really innovate. So yeah. Good thoughts, Chris. Yeah. So I think that about concludes, concludes everything we want to say about COVID and the restaurant industry. So this has been ignite donuts podcast episode 12. Um, if you liked it, feel free to hit the heart. Uh, follow us on Facebook. It depends on what platform you are. If you're on SoundCloud, it's a heart. So, or I guess it's on Instagram to double tap. Do whatever it takes to like this podcast. I really appreciate you guys' support. We'll see you next week. Thanks.